0: Before service starts this morning, we just wanted to go ahead and uh, let us start, start singing to God, and so if you want to stay seated and you want to
1: continue fellowship, go ahead and do that.
0: But today is Ben James's birthday. So let's sing to him and I know you all have beautiful voices because we just heard it. So let's sing to Ben.
2: Happy
1: birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday dear
0: You guys can be seated for just a moment.
3: I just said it's her last day now. No. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. Thank you so much for that. What a wonderful thing. It, you know, I was excited when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Welcome to FCC. We are so thankful that you came and joined us. If you're a newcomer here today, we want um, and you need a uh, communion packet. We are going to be celebrating communion a bit. So if you need one, just raise up your hand. Um, also. You uh, may have noticed that we are doing a newcomer packet. You've seen those uh, people sitting over there in the corner, and some of them bright gold or silver bags, and we're trying to, hey, say if this is your first time, we want to make you feel welcomed. We have a gift bag for you. There's some goodies in there. So if you haven't uh, reached out and got one, uh, step in after service and those ladies will welcome you. And we're uh, excited about what's going on there. We're going to get some cups and some t-shirts and all kinds of stuff to uh, continue to put forth the ministry and make people feel welcome. Got some quick announcements. Uh, The Seniors Adult Ministry lunch will be Wednesday on September 6th at 1130 at Johnny's Pizza. If you uh, need some information that, speak to uh, Terry and Helen Yankee right there. Um, Also, we want you to find out about this church. We have a newcomers uh, membership um, meeting that's going to be taking place at October 8th at 6 p.m. So if you want to find out what we're all about, want to find out and become a member of this church, we invite you to come participate that. That's again October 8th at 6 p.m. That's Sunday evening. Um, on October 22nd, there will be a homecoming. So this is Ernie Perry. I know that. I don't know if you guys, that sounds familiar to you, but this is going to be the guy that always tells Thomas to slow down. Remember, he t- preached about him a few weeks ago. So he's the one that says it's his father-in-law. So we're also going to have a meal after that. So there's going to be service. It's going to be Ernie Perry, and then we're going to go into the fellowship uh, and have the fellowship meal. I, I believe it's going to be over in the Life Center over there um one more announcement september 10th so not this uh following sunday but the sunday after that they'll be starting up the chosen anybody seen the chosen out there The Chosen. If if you didn't raise your hand, you're not a Christian. No, I'm just joking. Uh, So, hey, I want to encourage you. You know, I've seen a lot of Jesus movies, and this one tops them all. Come in. So, Britt Bush is going to be leading this on Sunday nights. It's going to be at 6 p.m., and what we do is we watch The Chosen, and then we just have a little bit of discussion afterwards uh, the Chosen is a wonderful series. So grateful that Angel Studios has put this together so that, man, man, because you, this is a good depiction of Jesus. Uh, with that said, I'm going to ask you all to stand for the reading of the word.
4: Good morning. I'll be re- reading from Ephesians 2, uh, 4 through 10. not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Pray with me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for rain. Even when it's humid, it cools it down a little bit. Thank you for, um, as we get ready to enter to a new season of fall, Lord, that your promises uh, remain. I thank you for everyone here, and I pray that um, we can just center our thoughts and our hearts on you and you would speak to us today. Uh, Thank you for all that you've done and that we can walk in victory through your son. In his name that we pray, amen.
0: looking back in our lives, God, we just thank you for what you have brought us through and how your presence has remained with us. Lord, I, I just thank you for your goodness. This world, it can be so bad sometimes, it can seem so ugly, but God, when we truly just take a second and we're just thankful for things, we just really can see how you've blessed us and how your grace just rains on us, God, and we don't deserve it But I am so, so glad that you love us, God. Lord, I just pray over the rest of the service today just that our minds can be open to what you may be wanting to tell us this morning and that we would just worship you in song and in word and in prayer the best that we possibly can because you deserve it, God. You are worth all the praise and glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated.
5: Good morning. My name's Carrick, and I'm a bum. But because of Jesus, I'm not near as big a bum as I used to be. Um, when I was in my early 20s I believed in God I believed that Jesus was his only son that he died on the cross and that he rose again but I wasn't interested in surrendering my life to him I I drank a lot not just moderately I'd get up in the middle of the night and vomit and get up and go to work the next morning hung over and not pull my weight and hide from my dad because I knew I smelled like a brewery but it, in my early thirties, things changed. God, God worked on me. And we had a house full of kids. And I did, I, I accepted Jesus as my savior and repented, but there were parts of my life that I still didn't surrender. I still drank, not as much, but some. You know, and in some of those times, somebody could have said, Kirk, you know, drunkenness is a sin. And I, I would have said, I know, but I don't care. But life experiences can be a great teacher and a great guide, and we, over time we can get a picture, a clearer picture of the damage and the dangers of our sin and from, and from distancing ourselves from God. And we, we have a lot of those moments where it's like, oh wow, God was right about that too, imagine that. But experience is not the greatest teacher. If, if we relied only on experience for, to learn and to, to find guidance, we would be 100 years old before we would know the things that are right in front of our face right now. What, it, what is the greatest guide? What's the ultimate teacher? It's to, to look to a higher power, look to the highest power, the Lord God Almighty. His word, his truth, and when we do that, we'll see a clearer picture of His love, His promise, His view of our sin, His plan for our salvation, and our Savior's bloodshed on the cross and an empty tomb. And when we see these things, then we can say, Lord, I trust you. Your ways are greater than mine always, and I surrender everything to you. So at this time of communion, we'll, we will take just a few moments to, to meditate. And I just ask that you, you think not only about the, the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior on the cross and what it means, but to also reflect and examine yourself and look for those things in your life that, that, that you hesitate to surrender to God. out our bread we'll take it together think about our broken body of our Savior and the way he suffered for each and every one of us in our sin and the juice blood of our Savior spilled to wash away our sins and the way that that blood should touch each and every part of our life every moment of every day let's pray Heavenly Father I know I say the same thing every time I'm up here but thank you for your your perfect love and your perfect love for our salvation. Lord, just just be with us and, and guide us every moment of every day. Help us to keep the, the cross in our, in our focus as a guide, and, and Lord, just uh, help us to see the things that, that we fail to surrender to you, and give us the will to do that. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for loving us and for our, salva- and for our Savior. It's in his name we pray, amen.
6: Good morning, First Church. It's good to see you guys here this morning. Um, if you're here with us for the first time, welcome. Uh, my name is Ben James. I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, we, uh, we, we're we really glad that you're joining us this morning. Uh, before I uh, get into my message, I do want to just kind of issue a reminder, um, you know, that... Uh, Today is Kennedy's last official day here as worship leader at First Church, and uh, we want to give you the opportunity during our offering time here that uh, if you would like to give a love offering to her, we would love for you to have the opportunity to bless her. Just make sure if you give online that uh, you have it in the memo line, if you write a check, uh, or if you fill out an envelope and put it in the offering box back there, just make sure it has Kennedy Uh, or the, you know, the girl who sings, or something on there, you know, that we can distinguish it. Um, But I want to make sure that, uh, in in just a very small way, that we can kind of let her know monetarily how much that she has, uh, she and her time has meant to us here at First Church. uh, You can, you know, give online, fccgrayson.com forward slash give. And like I said, we've got uh, offering boxes in the back as well for your tithe and your offerings. Uh, This morning, we're going to be wrapping up our uh, series on biblical markers. Uh, It's biblical markers of a healthy church. And again, we've done this in four weeks. There's much more than four, obviously. Uh, But we're going to wrap it up, kind of push pause on it a little bit here for now. Uh, Next week, we'll be going back into Hebrews. We'll be starting into Hebrews chapter 11. So if you want to go ahead and read that this week, you can. Uh, a lot of big names, Old Testament names, kind of a hall of fame, hall of faith kind of thing. Uh, but this morning, we're going to be wrapping this up. The first week, Kelly introduced this series, and he talked about that a biblical marker of a healthy church is that Jesus is our Lord, and not just our Savior. You know, he's not just the Savior uh, that that it, you know, helps us, uh, frees us from this life and bondage of sin in our flesh, but he's also... He is our Lord. He, 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 we give our lives to Him. We surrender everything that we have to Him, and He has to be our Lord. The second uh, Sunday, He talked about uh, the unity of believers. John 17, Jesus' prayer is that, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. And that community that we're supposed to live in, that love for one another that we're supposed to have. Um, and then last week, we looked at, we need to have a genuine love for the lost. We need to love the Lord as our Savior. We need to love one another. We need to love the lost. Uh, This week, uh, what I'm going to talk to you about this morning is a biblical marker of a healthy church is that Jesus is preached. Jesus is preached. He's preached rightly. He's not a supplement to the message. He's not a little seasoning that we'll throw on top of things but that the gospel of jesus christ his lordship his divinity is preached preached rightly now there's a couple things i'm going to go ahead and and read out of john 14 so if you have your bibles turn to john chapter 14 we're going to be reading the first 11 verses Uh, I'm I'm going to be reading in the ESV version, so if you have something different, there may be a a little wording difference here. Uh, It'll be on your screen as well. John 14, starting with verse 1, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe, in, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Now I want us to look at a couple things this morning and we're going to talk about Jesus being preached rightly in a healthy church. but there are a few preliminary things that we need to establish before we can start talking about this one of the preliminaries is that the bible is the word of god all right okay so second timothy three sixteen says that all scripture is breathed out by god and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of god may be complete equipped for every good work one of the preliminaries to Jesus truly being preached is that we agree that this book, the Bible, is the Word of God. It is inspired in its purest form in the original language. It's infallible. It's the authority that we use in our spiritual walk, in our lives. This is the authority. Now, this is not a conversation of, like, different versions or translations, okay? Because we can can have a discussion about that at another time because you're like, well, this version says this, and this version says that. Correct. But in its purest form, God's Word is inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to mankind through the inspiration of God the Father, through the Holy Spirit, Putting to the pen men of God, faithful to write what they were inspired to write. So, one of the preliminaries is that we must establish that the Bible is the Word of God. The second preliminary thing that we need to make sure that we understand is that we're broken. is that mankind is born into a nature of disobedience. Genesis 3, John 3, 36, Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We must understand that because of the original sin, it entered the world through the disobedience of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and we are born into a disobedient flesh sin nature that we need to be rescued from. Now, these two things aren't kind of, or shouldn't be, off the wall for this house because both of these were pulled from our statement of faith, of what we believe as a church, that we believe this is the Word of God. We believe that we are born into a nature of disobedience, and we stand in need of being saved, that we need to be rescued, and that Jesus Christ is the one who came to save us. So, there's where we stand. And here's what I want to do this morning as far as preaching Jesus. I want to use the words of Jesus. But in order for us to get to this place that these words of Jesus, because I believe what we just read, verse 6 out of John 14, is maybe one of the most, if not the most, controversial statements that Jesus ever made. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no one, no person, no individual comes to the Father except through me. Now, I'm not going to speak. I'm going to try to be very honoring this morning because one of the things that you're going to find out is this is not a message about ammunition for Christians. As we get to the end of this, I'm going to challenge you with this again. But if we view this statement of Jesus as ammunition for an argument against people who don't see things the way that we see it, and we remove the love that Christ worked and flowed and has given us, then all we're doing is we're contributing to that flesh nature. This is not ammunition to win an argument. I'm hoping that this word will prick your hearts this morning. That it will cause you to consider the way that you're living, both as a Christ follower, and if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, I hope that it brings conviction and a level of introspection into your life as to how am I living. So two questions that I'm going to have for you is number one, Who is Jesus? Who do you say Jesus is? And then, how do you get to heaven? Who do you say Jesus is, and how do you get to heaven? So, I want to, very quickly, I want to take five things, five biblical truths that I believe that we have to have evident in our preaching, in our teaching, in our doctrine, our theology, in everything that we do. These five truths, in order for Jesus to truly be preached in this church, five truths. Is number one is that Christ was exi- He existed and He created. Okay, He was not created, but He created. One of the elements of understanding Jesus being preached rightly is the words of John 14, 6, where he said that I am the only way to the Father. Now that's countercultural because there's a widespread belief and a resounding statement that all roads lead to God. That all, faith, all faiths lead to God. And I am trying to exclude and pull my opinion, my thoughts, my takes as much as possible this morning to show you what Jesus has to say about that mindset. Because if we agree that the Bible is the Word of God, then we turn to it and if we agree that we are a flawed broken disobedient sin-filled creation that stands in need of a redeemer and a savior and to our own devices are lost then we have to turn to him as well and turn to this book because if this is the source of truth like we believe it is, if He is the source of salvation, like we believe it is, and it's nothing that we can do, then we have to look to Him and understand that He has always existed, and scripturally it was through Him that all things are created. The next thing that I think that we have to understand is that Jesus is God. Christ is is god john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god jesus was not according to his word just another good man who lived a notch or two above what anyone else possibly could He wasn't just another great prophet who came and spoke boldly for the Lord. He wasn't someone who came and lived such a righteous life that he elevated himself to a God status that he was born man, but became deity. Jesus is, was, forever will be God. Amen? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He didn't achieve God's status. He didn't become a deity because he is God. The next thing that I believe, number three, is I believe that we have to agree that Christ lived without sin. Right? He lived a perfect life. Blameless, holy, righteous in the sight of God the Father. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, He made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ, perfect, flawless, always existent, all creating, came in the form of a man to be a sacrifice, to become sin for us. Even though he knew no sin, our sin's penalty was laid upon him. Why? Because we could never be good enough. We could never do enough. We could never qualify ourselves. And yet, a perfect, flawless Christ paid the price for my sin and for your sin. And because of that, we might become the righteousness of God of God the next thing is we must believe that Christ died and was resurrected he didn't swoon okay it wasn't three days of a swoon theory where he just fell into a really deep sleep or where he passed out from so much blood loss and then on the third day rose it wasn't uh, it wasn't an imposter who snuck into the grave and acted as him, and he hid for three days. 1 Corinthians 15, 3-5. And listen, if you're you're ever at a loss, and you really just want to be able to present the gospel to someone, like we challenged all of us to do last week, and you don't know what to say, where to point, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 is a wonderful place to go. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scripture that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Christ came, he lived, he died, he resurrected. And the fifth thing that I think is that he is returning. Christ is returning. John 14.3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. So I believe those five things have to be, I believe biblically, they have to be true about our belief in Christ for us to truly preach The gospel for us to truly preach Christ rightly now I think that there's you know the second question was the way to heaven right it's like how how do we get to heaven what is this next step that we end up taking and we have to understand that through Christ in John 14 that he is making these evidences known to us that I am the way I am the truth. I am the life. Verse 4, I'm sorry, verse 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to understand that what Christ has done for us is a gift of grace. It is a free gift of His grace. Something that we cannot do earn ephesians 2 8 through 9 says for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing it is the gift of god not a result of works, so that no one may boast it's not by your works it's not by your deeds it's not by what you do or what you don't do what you say or what you don't say it is a, the gift of god not a result of our works Because I can promise you, if it was something that one of us could do and achieve, we would be very proud of the fact that we could do or achieve it. Wouldn't we? Like we would want to that, you know, I can do it, I can achieve it. So this way to heaven, being saved through his grace by faith, is not of our own doing, it's the gift of God. But then let's go back and let's look. Again, at Jesus in His own words, John fourteen six, five and six here. Thomas said to Him, "Lord," after Thomas is trying to get clarification, which m- makes sense, right? Like Jesus said, "I'm going. I'm going to prepare a place for you. That wherever I am, you may be also." Thomas, I have got a question. Oh no, no, hi, Thomas. no, not. Did did I trigger Siri or something? Oh, okay, okay. It's, It's good to know. It's like, okay, we're just going to shift into a private conversation here. All right, I got a question for you. Where was I? Thomas, he had a question, didn't he? Okay, Thomas has questions. Where are you going? We don't know how to get there how do we we don't even know the way how am i supposed to get to where you're going if i don't know the way to get there jesus said this i am and pause right there because that would have ushered in a whole big connection back to exodus right in the old testament like Whenever Moses was like, who, who should I tell him that's sending me? You know, when God was sending him to Pharaoh to, to free the Israelites from Egyptian bondage. God just said, tell him, I am. And Jesus, this is why I say I believe not only because of the second part and the exclusivity of that, of this statement, but the first part where he is now making this, I am. He is aligning himself with Yahweh with the Creator. He is taking on that identity of I am. That is Jesus' words, not mine. I am the way. Jesus' words, not mine. I am the truth. Jesus' words, not mine. And in a world where there is no concrete truth apparently other than the fact that there's no concrete truth in a world for someone to make that statement that's brazen that's bold that's confidence I am the truth and I am the life again his words not mine no man can come to the Father except through me. No one, and this is Jesus, recorded in the Bible that if you believe is God's word and it's all truth, and if you believe that you're not the greatest master of your own destiny, that we are fallen. We are prone to disobedience and sin. Then this is the alignment that's made when Jesus is preached rightly. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no man, no one, no person, no being comes to the Father except through me. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. This week i was really struggling as to how to land this plane like okay what's the practical application what's the three points of takeaway from this i want to be homilytically correct i want to make sure that i'm doing this right what am i going to put in here and i was just like you fool like you're sitting here talking the whole time it's like like let jesus speak in his own words that's what he's doing right here right What's the way to heaven? Jesus. Jesus even said so. I'm the way, the truth, and life. No person comes to the Father except through me. So the way I'm landing this plane is I'm going to let Jesus ask us a question. Who do you say that Jesus is? Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 29. And Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea. Cesare Philippi. And on the way he asked his disciple, Who do people say that I am? And they told him, John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, You are the Christ. So who do you say that He is this morning? Many of you will be um, very familiar with the options of when you read this, when you hear Jesus' claims, when you read about His life, when you, you know, encounter the Gospel message, and whenever you're beginning to render a judgment as to what your answer to this question is going to be, you've got one of three options. Jesus is either a liar, a lunatic, Or he's the Lord. Either this man is just lying from word go. And nothing he's saying is truth. He's just, he is egotistical. And he is lying from beginning to end. Or maybe he's a lunatic. Maybe he is just not right. Maybe he is just so far out there, but yet it's so far out there that it's been adopted. Or is He the Lord? Is He who He actually said and says that He is in Scripture? Is He the Messiah? Is He the Lamb of God? Is He the perfect one? Is He the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end? The truth this morning is I cannot answer that question for you. This church cannot answer this question for you. But I believe that we all sit in here at this moment in need of answering this question. Yes, even if you've been a Christian for the majority of your life, I still believe that each and every day, each and every situation, each and every time we're faced with something that we need to answer this question of who do you say Jesus is? is If you're in here and you're not a believer, maybe you've come in here, maybe you're hurting, maybe your marriage is suffering, maybe you're in a family dynamic that is uncomfortable, maybe you're facing loss and grief and sadness in your life, maybe you've never been to church or if you've been to church, it's not been for a long time and maybe you're just so tired, you're so weary, you're so beaten down and you're saying, I'm going to give this thing a try anyhow. If you're here, you still Need to answer that question of who do you say that he is? And in our hearts this morning, I believe that every one of us is asking that same question that Thomas was asking How do we get to where you're going? Because we don't know the way. And here's where Sunday, the, the, the famous Sunday school answer becomes so beautiful Jesus is always the answer.
7: Right?
6: Jesus Christ, He has always existed, He created. Jesus is God. Jesus lived without sin. Jesus died and resurrected. And Jesus is returning. So I told you I was going to loop back around to this. And here we are. I feel it imperative for me this morning to to talk to you in here who are believers, who are Christians, who are Christ followers. Jesus makes a very exclusive statement when He says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through Me. That's a very exclusive statement. And in a world where inclusiveness is a big thing, that's counter the message that most people believe and most people want to accept. And the danger for us as Christians is we take information like this and we view it as ammunition to use against people who disagree with us. And I'm telling you, I believe with 100% of my being that if that is your motive, that is your heart, if you're going to present this truth, this exclusivity of Christ to someone who does not believe the same way as you do as ammunition... I believe wholeheartedly that Jesus would look at you just the same as he did James and John and say, you don't know what spirit you're of. Because Jesus did not make this statement as a statement to be used against others. This is a message of love. This is a message of hope. This is a message and a statement coming from someone who had seen his people strive and struggle and fumble and fall all throughout the Old Testament trying to prove themselves good enough, trying to do things right enough, trying to be holy enough, trying to be righteous enough. This is someone who has seen the depravity of man on display in its worst forms firsthand. And this is someone who so loved the world that he came to us. Not so that he could be proven right, but we talked last week that Jesus Christ came to seek and save the lost. This is Jesus making a statement so that there can be clarification given to a question and hope provided to the hopeless instead of someone being able to stand up, raise their chest out and say, I told you so. Lead with love. Because that is how Christ leads us. Amen? Amen. I want to ask the praise team if they would to come back forward this morning. I want us to take just a few moments of inventory. Like I said, as believers... We have to answer this question of who do you say that I am? Jesus was asking one of his followers, one of his disciples. He was asking the group that had laid everything aside to follow him. He's still asking them, Who do you say that I am? So, as believers, that's that's an imperative, frequent question for us. But also this morning. If you don't know Jesus, if you've not received Him and responded to His calling and His gift of salvation, I ask that you consider that also. Who do you say that Jesus is? At this time, I'm going to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come forward for us. I want you to have the opportunity to respond this morning, believer, non-believer, wherever you're at in your walk. We have people available up here at front if, you're, if, if you want to know Jesus, if you've never given your heart to Him and want to respond to that calling, I would urge you to do so now as we stand and as we sing this morning. kind of stay where you're at. I would uh, like for us to do something uh, again. Uh, this is um, Kennedy's last day in leading us here. So I'm going to ask her to please come down. Uh, and I would like for us to gather around as a church and pray over her. I know that Jonathan's been serving at the church down there already for a, yeah, about a month, but uh, we, uh, we want to make sure that we pray over her and love on her properly also. So if you would, come and join me. Uh, all of that would and let's let's pray over her
7: More room, folks. <laughs> Kennedy? Can you see me? <laughs> I have to be totally transparent here. You know, I have stepped up here before and I have asked Kennedy to play and sing another verse in hopes that someone in this audience would respond. But that wasn't really why I did it today. I did it because I wanted to hear her sing one more verse. I wanted to see the expression on her face as she worships her Lord and Savior. And I believe that for the last few years, that each and every Sunday morning, that that young lady has stood on this stage and led us in a worship service. I believe that she has stepped into this place prepared, she has stepped into this place expectant, and she has stepped into this place to honor and worship her Lord and Savior. Kennedy, we're gonna miss that. But you can leave this place today knowing how much we love you, knowing you're not old enough to know this yet. But when you get my age, you'll figure out that you don't have to spend a lifetime walking alongside someone for that someone to always be special to you. Sometimes it's just a few years and you look back and you remember the impact that someone has had on your life. There's a lot of folks this morning looking at you, Kennedy, and thinking ahead five years or 10 years or two years. They're gonna remember you, your impact on their lives, what you've done for this community And we just say thank you for that father in heaven lord we come to you right now with filled with great joy and just a little bit of sadness because we love kennedy and jonathan but here's what we know or here's what we believe lord we believe that they're going to step out of this or they're going to step out Kennedy is going to step out of this door this morning And she's going to open the next chapter in her life. And her and Jonathan together are going to do great things for your kingdom, Lord. I believe that with all my heart. And my prayer is that every person that hears my voice can remember Kennedy and Jonathan in prayer. They can remember the Sunday mornings that, Kennedy gave them something to smile about when maybe they walked in that door and there didn't seem like there was much to smile about. But when you see her worship her Lord and Savior in the manner that she did, that has to bring joy to your heart. And I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for Kennedy. I thank you for her service to you, her love for you. I thank you for her service to this church and her love for the people of this church and her community. And I just pray that you would walk beside her the rest of her days in this body on this earth, Lord, and I pray that you'll protect her. I pray that you'll give her peace and comfort, no matter what the situation. And I pray that you will just be with her, Lord, in a mighty way. As she prepares for this next step, I pray, I pray the name Jesus over Kennedy's life. It's in your precious name, Jesus, that I ask these things. Amen.